but you can be seated. We do love Him so much. Well, yesterday was an interesting day, and, and for one particular reason is I changed my whole direction of, of the message this morning. You'll notice in your bulletin it says members only. We are talking about that. I have two volunteers that are going to be passing out a handout. And while they're passing this out, uh, it is a lot that's on here. But there's a reason why I'm doing this. Because I find this subject, doctrine, topic, whatever you want to say, to be so extremely important. And of course, a lot of us aren't here today. And this will be something that we can keep and hand to those that aren't here today. And you can use as a just a refresher uh, for what we're going to talk about this morning. I can remember when I was a, uh, a young convert. Uh, you know, I'd been saved just a few months. And, uh, and somewhere in our church, uh, our uh, pastor, when I was coming up, our pastor was, uh, he got saved out of, uh, sa- he was a salesman, got called into the pastorate, but he was a great marketer. Um, he had honed his own business and had, uh, by the way, we're in Ephesians, so take your Bible and go with me back to Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians for several months now. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read three verses in just a moment. But he was a great marketer. And so our church you know, was a growing church, very evangelistic uh, church. Uh, I will tell you that I, I've seen services where 60... I'm talking about a little church, not much bigger than this. There were a couple of revival services where we would have 60 people get saved in one night uh, at revival. It was incredible. And, uh, of course, the church did a very poor job of following up. And even in the night that I got saved, uh, there were probably 15 different people that got saved in the same service that I, I got saved. Now, I will tell you for sure, I got saved. Now, I don't know about the other, the other ones that, that came. They, they may have come because of somebody else, but I know for sure I got saved. I can remember our invitation taking two hours at the end of a revival service. I can remember that. And uh, God was doing great things. But I, because our pastor was, a, was a, a marketer, I can remember reading one little thing we had. I think it was on a keychain, uh, and it said something like, you have to be a member to go to heaven. Okay? You have to be a member to go to heaven. Now, I hadn't been saved that long, but I knew that you were saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God. Ephesians 2. Um, I knew that from what I had understood and be taught as being discipled, that you didn't lose what you did not earn. But I did also know that church membership didn't save, right? You know what I mean? Local local church membership, right? The fact that you're on our rolls has nothing to do with your salvation. So why did our pastor put that only members go to heaven? Why did he do that? Now think, and, and you should have the answer in your mind, because he wasn't talking about members of this of the little church called First Baptist Weaver, he was talking about being members of the of Christ's body or members of the universal church. 
And so in your bulletin, it says members only. I'm going to tell you this morning that members only go to heaven. Members only. People who are saved, and the Bible says, Robbie just read it, 1 Corinthians 12, are members of the body of Christ. That word membership, you can look that word up if you have a Bible a dictionaries and all that, you can look it up. And 90% of the references in the New Testament are related to the, to the different parts of a body. Now, on occasion, it, it can be speaking of members of a group, but almost exclusively when it's talking about kingdom principles, it's talking about the member, a member of a whole body. And Robbie read the portion in 1 Corinthians where it talks about, you know, the eye and the ear. That's the idea. That and here, here's what I want you to understand. Don't, don't look at your sheet yet. I'm going to go through every statement, believe me, okay? Your salvation, your, you being born again, so connects you to Jesus Christ that it is like you being an arm of Christ or a foot of Christ or an internal organ of you you're a member of a local body of believers you are a member of his body and so when you see this word when we talk about church membership the reason you formally are want to tell people and be a part of people formally is because you are a part of Christ universally you are a member when you were saved, you became a member of the body of Christ, universal. So you want to flesh that out and be a member publicly in a local church. You want to practice what you already are. So when you think about, when we, when we talk about are you, you know, membership and being a member of a local church, which, by the way, is all throughout the Bible, several times it talks about counting the members, how many members doing this. So the Bible is, is full of texts that talk about joining and being a member. But the reason, the primary reason we want to be a member of the body is because we're already a member of the body. We're, and Christ wants us to gather locally. Because He said, I will build my church. He's the first one that used the word. He <clears throat> Now, it wasn't, excuse me, left my water down there. Uh, can you get it for me so I don't have to walk three steps? Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, so uh, you would know I could fall down these steps. Many of you know that, don't you? Uh, don't do that. And really, it, I came right at where y'all sitting. That's a, really a dangerous place to be sitting. That, but we did remove the closest road just in case I do it again. So that chair. Anyway, that's crazy, isn't it, Walter? Do you know I eventually had to have my knee replaced after I did that? You know, that's terrible. <laughs> that's getting old is tough. Man, when I did it, when it, though you hadn't heard the story, I fell off the pulpit. It's what, really what I was doing is I thought we were in the invitation. And I had, hey, listen, we can have fun at church. So I had my eyes closed. We are praying the invitation. And in my mind, I had already taken one step, right? So in my mind, I'm stepping to the floor. Or maybe I'd take it to... Anyway, 
well, I, I'm still up here, but I don't think I am. So that step was a doozy. Well, I realized, of course, everybody's heads are bowed. Bonnie started crying when it happened. Remember that, Bonnie? I mean, it was a scene. So I realize I'm falling, and I've never been a small man, okay? So it's going to be a serious fall. So, and it, the fall didn't hurt. It's when I hit the concrete down here that really hurt. So immediately I spread my hands out because I know I'm going down, but everybody can't see because they've got their eyes closed. Well, when I spread my arms out, I catch one of the, Lord, one of the offering plates. That's when we'd leave the money up here until... And it popped the, the, Lord's, I mean, the offering plate up in the air and money went flying through <laughs> coins. and just, It was a scene. And then it starts bouncing. Bing, ding, 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 ding. And I land on, and the mic's still on. So I land right on my chest. You know, because my chest is so massive and my stomach's so small. And anyway, so it was a scene. And uh, so that's why, when I, I, that's why I walk the way I walk when I'm going down and coming up. I don't want to do that again. So now you know the thing about... And the only thing more embarrassing than that was having the Auburn Gospel Choir. That was the two things. <laughs> and I've covered, I've covered from beginning to end. And so that's really none of your business. I almost had to resign after that. I, I almost didn't come back. I really didn't. It's just bad. That's bad. That's bad. I never forgave the person that recommended them. I can tell you that. So, hey, uh, I have no idea where I was, but we want... <laughs> We want to be a member of the body. I, I'm, so when I say, are you a member? Now think about what it says. It says that when you're saved, you're so connected to Jesus. Now we dealt with the bride last week. The intimacy of, of all of us that are saved are the bride and Christ is the bridegroom. We all make up the bride of Christ, but our relationship with Christ is as intimate as a husband and wife, he knows us like that. Uh, like the physical union of a husband and wife, we have a spiritual union with Christ. And by the way, you realize that being true, that you can't fool the Lord Jesus. It's not like he doesn't know who his are, right? Same thing with the body. If we're body parts, how, how intimate is the and? If he's the head of the body and we're members of his body, who's in charge? You can answer that. He is. And he tells us what the body is supposed to be like and what each member is supposed to be like by in this book. So, so membership in the body of Christ, universal, and membership in a local church, that's legitimate. There are members that are members here. I'll give you, for instance, I, uh, this was this week. I, I, my class, I'm doing a thing on worship. Worship wars and all that. Just people have different opinions about what happens in worship. Like, should we have interpretive dancers or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know. Um, Ma'am? Yeah, fast song, contemporary music. It's all, it's all I'm sorry, I'm deaf too, so... Um, so, we, so that's what I'm talking about. But when, when we think about worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, just want you to think about it. when I, Because I was doing a thing on worship, I was studying some worship from the past, and I was looking at the Puritan age. And I'm, I'm not making this up. I just studied it a couple of days ago. They were so serious about church membership that, and, and verifying salvation. 
And again, I'm, I'm covered a lot of stuff and I, I'm going to get to the sheet in just a second. Why don't you think through this? They were so serious about... So if you were members of a church, they made... Let's say this was 1689, 1707, 1742. That's where I was reading from. Um, from a Baptist, which is the roots of us. It was Philadelphia Baptist Association. So they have minutes and, and church reports I was reading. A church of 30, a church of 30 or 35 members would have in worship a hundred people. A church of a, a church of a hundred would have three hundred. Now think about what I'm saying. Because those people that really were saved and were members of Christ's body were doing exactly what Christ would have been doing. Bringing the lost to hear the gospel. So a church of a hundred would have three hundred in worship. That was usually the standard for about two hundred years. Usually it was three to one. I just read the details. But the church today is just the opposite. A church that has three hundred members, that's three hundred people. And our church is probably in its two thirties. If we went back and looked at everybody that's a member, we found them, if we could find them and find their names. Let's say there's 240, let's whatever. So a church that had three, that today, a church that has 300 members, it's just the opposite. You know how many is at church? A hundred, at the best. And so they were talking about in this whole article of history is that we flip the scales. So you're telling me we're satisfied with 70% of the people that are part of Christ's body not coming to church at all. Hardly at all. So you're telling me that somebody that's been united to Christ as if joined to His physical body, that's the picture, that that person that says they've been united with Christ and were members with Christ, that they will not come to the church they will not participate in a local church. But that's where we are. I went to the state convention. Our Alabama Baptist State Convention was this week, um, last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I went to it. Uh, Monday was pastor's conference, and Tuesday and Wednesday was business. I didn't stay for all of it, but I did go three days. And uh, you know, I was thinking about when they have... I'm not going to get into all the business. That's, I'll tell you that on Wednesday night, but... You know, usually when they have a preacher that's going to, you know, they have a keynote preacher, and they had one, Fred Luter came uh, on Monday night, big name, Fred Luter. Anyway, so uh, I didn't stay that long, but he preached. And, but any guy that's in a big church, a mega church, when, let's just be honest. When, so we'll get Fred Luter, he pastors a church of 5,000. But I guarantee you on any given Sunday, has 5,000 members, but on any given Sunday, 3,000 of them can't be found, right? So why don't we introduce them like that? Here's, I'm not being, because I'm the same way. I'm not attacking Fred Luter. But we're saying about us as Southern Baptists, here's a pastor of a church of 5,000, but 70% of his members aren't willing to serve Jesus. They don't show up for worship. Why don't we introduce people like that? Because that's what we've satisfied with. 
Because we, me and you, Southern Baptists overall, we don't respect church membership. We don't follow the Bible when it comes to vetting people that are in the church. Actually, united with Christ, it's impossible to walk away. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to backslide. It's not impossible to backslide. But it is absolutely impossible to forget Jesus if you've been united to Him. That's impossible. Because you're, you're a member of His... And not only are you attached to Him spiritually, guess what He's done to attach Himself to you? Well, He's put Himself in you through the Spirit. But for years... And again, it's, I'm not attacking you. But for years and years and years, we've accepted poor examples of what it means to be a church member. Look, look at, look at uh, I'm in Ephesians. Let's just move on. I chased that rabbit. Look at verse, Acts, I'm sorry, I keep saying Acts. Ephesians 5. And it's really just one verse that I'm going to read in, in chapter 5 of Ephesians. But let me pick up at verse... Uh, this is kind of where we finished last week. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. We looked at that last week. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Oh, that's great. As Christ does the church. Now, now, that nourish and cherish is incredible words. You can look it up for yourself. If you have a study Bible, especially if you have a MacArthur study Bible, I bet he deals with both words. But I think the second word, cherish, has the root word for body heat. And it was the word used for a mother hen sitting over her chicks, keeping them warm or bringing them to, to birth uh, or to help them grow. It, it, and it talks about body heat, being close. So Christ nourishes and cherishes us. And so husbands are supposed to nourish and cherish their wives likewise. But verse 30 says, because he, nour he nourishes and cherishes us, husbands, Christian husbands, nourish and cherish their wives because we are members of His body. Now just think about that statement. A great cross-reference is 1 Corinthians 12 where Robbie read. The other great cross-reference to this whole concept is in Romans 12. I won't have time to read it this morning. We'll look at it again later. But those are two great passages to look at. He says, for we... Look what he says. For we... Because we are members of His body. Now quickly, let me tell you what that means. It tells us who our identity is. Right? Who are you? Who are you? Whose are you? That's the better question. Whose are you? Well, you're Christ. So your identity, it's your, your members, are you really? You know how you demonstrate being a member of the body of Christ? By being a member of the body of Christ. You see what I'm talking about? See how that works? See, I didn't make this up. Christ did. Because he, he did it in Matthew 16, 18. He called the group of people that gathered together His church. That's what He called it. A group. And that wasn't the first time the word was used. That was a common word in the Greco-Roman world. And 
people would gather and they would call them an ecclesia, but now we have a spiritual ecclesia in their local bodies. And we know that because we've read the New Testament. There are churches everywhere, all throughout the New Testament. There are small groups of people called the church, and that's who we are. And so we're members of the body. So if we're members of His body, then we need to be members of His body. That's, listen, that's only simple obedience to do that. And I know some of you are cheating and reading your sheets, and you'll read on there why that has to be true. Well, look, look, real quickly, let me tell you, not only is that identity, you're looking at your Bibles, and listen, I will never finish what we're going to deal with, okay? So we'll, just, we'll concede right now that we're going to do it again next Sunday. So take the pressure off. I'm not going to try to finish. It won't be 2 o'clock this afternoon. You're going to get to go home on time, generally speaking. And uh, I won't preach till we have dinner, okay? I'm not going to preach. So, but, but just look, because we are members of His body, so it's about identity, okay? Now, now think with me, the, the logic here. But it's also about security, right? We are members. In the language of the Bible, this is called an indicative. English is the same way. An indicative is a statement that this is the way it is. It's a law of nature. Here it's a spiritual law. Because we are members of His body. And that's what He has done. That's just the way it is. It can't be changed. We are members of His body. And so that's security. Just, just flip back to chapter... I'm going to stay in Ephesians just for the sake of time. We could cross-reference many, but go to Ephesians 2. Uh, verse 3, 2, 3... And he's talking about how depraved and lost and dead we are, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich, and aren't you glad for that conjunction there? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So this is security. So when we say, because we were members of His body, that's about our identity. Um, look, if God sent you there, look at chapter 1. Look how many... And I'm not talking about grammar this morning, but if you look at all the, the uh, uh, pronouns... Uh, prepositions and pronouns in chapter 1 through chapter 1, 1 through 14. Let me just mention to you that how we're in Him, for Him, part of Him. Verse 1, end of it, in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, chapter 1, uh, blessed us in Christ. Uh, chap- verse 4, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. The end of the verse, before Him in love. He predestined us for adoption in Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. All the, His will at the end of verse 5. Verse, verse uh, in the Beloved in verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace with which He blessed us in the Beloved. Verse 7. In Him uh, you have redemption uh, through His blood. Uh, the riches of His grace. Verse End of verse 7. Verse 9. Uh, according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time 
to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the gospel, the word of truth, the gospel, of your salvation, See, a point in time we all hear the gospel and get saved and believed in Him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who's the guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it to the praise of His glory. I don't know how many times it mentions Him or Himself or of Christ, in Christ, His will. But it's dozens of times because when we talk about our identity, we are in Christ. We are His body. And so it's important that we demonstrate that by publicly being part of a local church body that represents the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we go back over here to chapter 5 and read, because we're members of His body, it's about identity. It's about security. We know that. It's His body. He brought us in. It says He saved us and He sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit. I mean, this is part of the freedom. I have freedom from the law. See, Christ, you know, you'll know that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Let me give you one thing that sets me free. I'm free because I know the law, even though I'm a lawbreaker, I'm still a sinner. The law can't condemn me. You know why? Because Christ fulfilled the law for me, right? So when I sin, the freedom I enjoy is, is I'm not condemned, right? That's freedom. So I'm, ne- I'm never depressed about my salvation. I'm never worried about my salvation, even when I do stupid things. Even when I say things that are not right or do things or think things. I sin and it breaks my fellowship with the Father, but it doesn't break my relationship. So I'm free. I'm not, the, the law is not a taskmaster on me because Christ fulfilled it and died for me. So, I, so it's about identity, it's about security, but it's also about unity. Everybody that's ever been saved. Now, ever think about this. Everybody who's ever been saved have been placed in His body. So for 2,000 years, every person that's been saved is like a part of His body. So all of us are the same. Look look at chapter 3. I'm just staying in Ephesians. Look at 3. Look at verse 6. It's one of the mysteries. You know, they struggled with you know, Gentiles being saved and joining, being in the same church with Jews. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. Isn't that something? And partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Members of the same body, Jews and Gentiles, members of the same body. Now, folks, immediately, one of the things I want you to be thinking in the back of your mind, because none of us, like physically, as we get older, some of you aren't there yet, but as you get older, your body falls apart. And uh, things happen to you that in you would never think you'd have to deal with that. For instance, I get cold at night. 
I have to wear socks to bed. I used to wake up sweaty. I was always hot. And, but I freeze to death at night. My body is changing. My skin's getting thinner. But that's just a small microcosm of my parts of my body are not well, right? And it affects the rest of me, right? So if you're here today and you really are saved and you're not in the body like you should be. Now, I can't measure what we're losing because you're not fulfilling your role, but I know who does measure it because you're stewards of that, right? The Bible says He gifted you. And He, he puts you in His body for His glory and to build up His body. And if you're not doing that, I can't keep up with it. I don't know what we're missing because you haven't been faithful. But God does. And one day, the Bible says you will give an account because you've given God wood, hay, and stubble, not the gold, silver, and precious stones. He's been an afterthought. So, as a member in the body, yes, you're saved. But you, so, does your inactivity, does your apathy, does your gossip, does your poor life choices affect this body? Yes, it does. I may not know how much, but our Lord does. So, membership matters. But I will tell you again, members only go to heaven. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about religion, not talking about joining this church and signing a card. I'm talking about repentance and faith in Christ and having your life changed. Are you a true member of His body? Now, you can fool me. You can fool your family. Well, you may not can fool your family. You're around them all the time. But you can fool me. You can fool your class members. But you can't fool Christ. He knows whether you belong to Him or not. Because if you are, you're in Him. He, I think He would know that. So, if you're saved, then you are a member in the body, and you need to be demonstrating that through the local church. And, you know, in, in early American history, they took that seriously. That's why 30 members would have 100 at church. Now we have 100 members that can't get 30 at church. Because we don't treat membership as serious. Uh, I mean, you can think about this yourself, but uh, in, you know, with the pandemic, or as I say, the plan-demic, when we had the plandemic, it did change church attendance vastly for churches our size. And there, at the conference, I talked to several preachers, several of them you know, I knew, and we yacked about all this. And one of the things we all talk about is, have you recovered from the pandemic? That's what we'll talk about. And have we recovered? I'll say, no, and we won't. But this group of people, whether it's here or a thousand other Baptist churches in Alabama that just decide not to come back because they see they can do it and get away with it, you have to ask, are they real members of Christ's body? If they are, they have to be under conviction, right? I mean, all these things are true. God convicts me of my sin. He'll convict them of their sins. So they can't do it haphazardly. But if they are doing it haphazardly and no conviction, guess what you've got to decide? Are they members of His body? No, that's why this body doesn't matter. So I have to ask you again, are you a Because mem it's members only. Only members go to heaven. Members of His body. Are you a member 
So here, when he says, because we are members of his body, it's about identity, right? Think it's about security. It's about unity, okay? We're all one, and that's why here in Ephesians, he also says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But also, it's about purity. You know, Paul argues this when, he's, when, when there's immorality in the church in Corinth. I think this is chapter 6, but don't cross-reference me right now. But there's been, there's been immorality in the church, and they haven't confronted it. Uh, and uh, really, it's incest. And, and so, they haven't confronted it. So Paul asked the question. He says, if, if, he says, if you're immoral, would Christ, are you going to unite Christ with a prostitute? That's what he asked. Because as a member of Christ's body, if I do commit a physical act, spiritually speaking, I'm saying it's okay for Jesus to do that. Because I'm part of His body. So Paul says, do you take Christ and attach Him to a prostitute? And he says, God forbid. Well, if you won't do that and you know that won't happen, then why are you doing it? Or he says, why are you putting up with it? Because we are the body of Christ. So public, grievous, horrible, wicked, public sin that defaces the name of Christ has to be dealt with. That's his argument there about that. But, but it's talk about purity. That's why chapter 4, he says, walk worthy. It's about... So when we say, I'm a member of Christ's body, it is good that it's, we know we're in Him, for Him, with Him, through Him. All those things are true. It, it is about unity. We're all together. It's about security. But it's about purity. I'm supposed to be like... I'm a member of His body. I'm supposed to be living like Him. And anything less is not right. And, and really, we know it's true because the, immediately when I, when, I'm, when I leave this body... Michael, we know it's true. It's hard. Michael, by the way, Michael lost her, lost his mom. It was last Sunday, I believe. And we want to pray. And you know, we sent out emails, but his mom, uh, 62, and anyway, and we're doing our funeral here, our celebration of life here tomorrow at 1, 1.30, services at 2.30. But anyway, we know it's true to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. But the moment you see Jesus, you know what the Bible says? You will be like Him. Why? Because you've left this physical body behind that kept you back. and you're, So you're a member of His body, and one day you're going to be like Him, just like His body. Both physically, one day physically like His body, but spiritually like Him. You're going to be perfect. So, so now our goal is to live like Him. So it's about identity, it's about security, it's about unity, it's about purity. Amen? Now let's just let's think through this a little bit more. If that's true, let, okay, I've I got an announcement. You with me? You ready for my announcement? We're not going to get to our sheets. <laughs> but the good part of that is, you know I'm going to finish on time. Okay, So you should say, oh, this is great. You remember... You remember when, uh, well, I know you remember it, but, but when Paul was converted, this is, you know, Paul, Saul, was a persecutor of the church. It's incredible when you read about what he did. He hated Christ, and he hated the church. And so, because he hated Christ, what was he doing? He was persecuting who? Christians. 
And so he was getting, uh, Rome, Rome was giving him, because he was a Roman citizen, he was a Jew, but a Roman citizen. So he was getting these documents from the Roman uh, government that he could persecute Christians. He could have them thrown in jail, scourge them, whip them, kill them, whatever. And so he was going to Damascus to, because you know they were running because of the Neronian persecution. Christians were just running all over the Roman Empire trying to find places of refuge. Well, there was a group in Damascus, so he's going to Damascus to persecute some Christians. But as he approached Damascus, do you remember what happened? He was struck down by light, and it says in the noonday sun, he could recognize that this light was greater than the noonday sun. That's pretty bright. But anyway, Jesus said to him, and it, was, it wasn't an angel, but it was Jesus. And, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Exact words in the Greek text. Me. So Jesus, for 2,000 years, every time you and I are persecuted, they're really not persecuting us. Who are they persecuting? When I live, ultimately I'm not living for myself, but I'm living for who? That's right. Because He owns me. I'm His slave. It, Paul argues the part of being bought. I've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God. And think about all the things. Here's what Paul's done. All the things that Christ has done for me in salvation. Seated me with Christ in the heavenly places. Sealed me with His Holy Spirit. Empowers me with His Spirit. He does all these things. He gave me an inheritance. All these. He adopted me so I would get riches in heaven that Christ earned. He tells me He did it. So, why wouldn't I serve Him? Why wouldn't I sell out for Him? I don't know why we don't. Well, yes, I do. We have a sin nature. And here's the thing is, we found out as we calculate stuff, we think we're getting away with it. Am I right? My apathy, my apathy, I think I'm getting away with it. My half-heartedness, my sharp tongue, my evil mind. You're thinking, God, you're bad. Well, you are too. So all these things I do as a sinner, sometimes you don't repent like you should or you let it linger longer because you think you're getting away with it. But not only is it sin you're accountable for, but it's damaging the body of Christ. It may be unseen, but it's damaging the body of Christ. And this is why the writer of Hebrews says when you do stuff like that, it's like you're crucifying Christ all over again. Why would we do that? It's an act of disobedience. So here's some things this body struggles with. Now I know you're going to go home and memorize the handout I gave you, but I'm going to go over it next week. So let's look at, if it's in fact, if it's our identity, if it's where we find security, it's where we find unity and we find purity, we have some problems. Because what we know is in this body, in my human nature, in my old nature, in all of you, in your nature, old nature, being, it's been dethroned, but it still hangs around. Number one, we deal with spiritual disease. And we're going to stop right here. So we'll pick back up on the problems. But let me give you the first one about disease. We are the body of Christ. But there's a war going on, right? Because the Bible says we do not 
uh, Ephesians 6, right? We do not battle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. It's a spiritual warfare. But there is spiritual disease that attacks, if you want to say, the body. The part, the members of the body. Arms, legs, feet, eyes, ears. If you're using that as an illustration, we are attacked by disease. And the Bible often uses leaven as an example of that. Okay? Leaven. But now, leaven's not necessarily bad, but it's used as an illustration of sin, and it's used as an illustration of spiritual growth. Okay? So let me give you just one little verse to look at, and I'll close. Take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew 13. Just, just go to Matthew 13 real quickly, and I will close with this. Now folks, let me just tell you, next Sunday, I'm going to preach a lot of this again. No, I mean, not the same stuff. But we're going to be in this subject matter, and there's going to be some folks join the church next Sunday morning. Okay? They are. They're going to join the church next Sunday morning. And uh, you might want to join them. Okay? And uh, I won't, we won't do an invitation this morning, but next Sunday we're going to do a long one. Because there's some folks that need to join the church, and they're going to join the church, but it's going to be next Sunday. And so you might want to join them. Did I say we're going to have some folks join the church next Sunday? And they're going to be members of the body because they're already members of the body? Right? And it's okay. Matthew 13. Let's look at God's Word and we'll finish with this. This is kingdom parables. The kingdom of God is as. and So it's been great. But he says, uh, the one thing is 32. It's the smallest seed. You know, the mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. Which, you know, historically that's not... He's talking about that they dealt with. Smallest seed they would use in farming for them. Uh, but when it's grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and it becomes a tree. Okay, So, just that little seed grows. That's the Christianity. That's faith. That's the church. You think the church started with mainly... You had a couple of educated men. Matthew was an educated man. Uh, Luke, Dr. Luke. But most of them were fishermen, common men. And that's where it started 2,000 years ago. And according to... I was uh, reading a statistic this week. and We know this is probably is not true, but this is the statistic. It didn't come from Barna, but it came from one of those. <clears throat> There's seven, like 7.1 billion people on the earth right now, they say. They say almost 3 billion people claim to, be a, to have a relationship with Jesus. Almost 3 billion. Okay. Now we know, just based on what happens in the local church, that's probably very much inflated. But compared to starting with a bunch of Jewish fishermen 2,000 years ago, what has happened? Well, that little seed has grown. And look what it says. And so that the birds... Now, in my mind, as I read this, I'm just uh, making my own application here. It's like now the other nations. So the tree grows, Jews get saved, and now the birds come and can, they can rest in the, the life-giving power of this tree that came from this little seed, which would be the gospel. But verse 33, He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. Folks, I'm going to be honest with you. I've read this verse numerous times. But I never studied it like I did this week. 
And I never realized how much three measures of flour would be. So a lady, a woman, single, took and hid in three measures of flour. Now, Diane has a, uh, a mixer and it has one of those uh, dough, what's it, dough hook? That, okay. And I think our mixer is a seven quart mixer. Pretty big. Some of them six, some, you know. Cousinart, I don't know how, that's probably wrong how you say it. Uh, all these brands are different sizes, but the big bowls were on some of them. Some of them are six, seven quarts. If, if you translated three measures, tria sata is, is, is great. Tria, three measures. It would be a hundred quarts. You'd have to have a bowl. Say, I bet it's a lot. It's impossible she's making it for one person, but it doesn't matter. The point would be, she had taken, this what she had, this had happened in another batch of dough. She goes and she takes a little piece of leavened bread from another batch of dough. She puts it in this batch of flour. Uh, I read where it would make a, a thousand peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Seriously, somebody broke it down like that. A thousand, uh, it would take like 60 jars of peanut Anyway, to go on all these statistics from peanut butter and jelly, the point would be, this little piece of dough would be placed in that huge amount of flour. And guess what would happen over time? It would permeate every part of that dough and it would swell and be fermented. It would be... A, it would, so, Christianity... Now listen to me, we'll stop. Christianity started small. But when it's applied, it grows. But the reverse is true. Paul says when he's confronting that sexual sin I mentioned a while ago, he says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of clay? So listen to me. Whether we're a church of 200 or 6,000, when you and I tolerate apathy, guess what it does? It permeates the body. So here's the bad news. My apathy... My poor leadership has affected you. Here's some more bad news. Your apathy and poor leadership has affected this body. This is where membership matters, right? It matters how you're living and who you are in Christ. Are you a member of Christ's body? And are you a member of His church in good standing? That means, are you doing what you ought to do? I pray that we are. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and thank you for your grace and mercy. God, thank you even now for all the hands that have been busy the past weekend preparing food and preparing for tonight. Thank you for those that are going to set up. Thank you for those cooking, making tea, and all the things that will have to be done for us to celebrate tonight. But above all, Lord, thank you that you saved us placed us in your body, and now you allow us to serve you in this world. Help us to be faithful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, have a great afternoon.